Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What is up? Wednesday episode of the show. That's Chris Clark right beside me. I am Wes Mitchell. This is brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. ClintHammond.com is how you can find any information you need about Clint. But if you're ready to call him right now, um, keep the show on in the background. Give Clint a call 803-771-6933 or 803-422-6797. Or you can just email him chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. 71597 is the NMLS number. Again, appreciate Clint. He's our primary presenting show sponsor right here on GC Live, and he is the absolute best at what he does. Refinance, home buying, whatever it is you need, Clint's got you. I promise you he'll take care of you. Uh, by the way, mention Gamecock Central when you give him a call. He's been, he's liable to talk about South Carolina football with you for 90% of the conversation. Again, he's Chris. I'm Wes. Lots going on. Chris, 10 days, believe it or not, 10 days until kickoff. I can already tell from the YouTube numbers. Uh, we learned this last year. The second you can start talking about actual ball, the numbers start going like this. And shout out to everybody. Uh, appreciate all the support from everyone that has ever watched a single show because the numbers, uh, dude, Monday – Monday was, and there wasn't even any breaking news Monday, I don't think. Monday was one of our, probably one of our biggest non-breaking news, non-big story shows uh, in a long time, if you just look at the numbers. So uh, I say that not to pat us on the back. I say that to say we appreciate everybody who is joining and, and has helped made this show, which started out as me and Chris just hopping on here, uh, BSing around, answering questions. Uh, you know, You know, you guys have helped us grow this thing a little bit. So we are excited about that. And uh, we're very excited about the future of GamecockCentral.com. Chris, football is upon us. What's up? Yeah, man, it's getting close. I noticed that the other day when we were on the show. I was like, wow, the numbers are, are popping here. I think people are really excited for football. And, you know, this is, I think, Wes, I was trying to stack this up as, as far as the level of anticipation for this season. It's the highest I can remember in quite a while. Um, I think certainly you look back to, you know, all the way back to 2005, Steve Spurrier's first game, home opener against UCF. It was insane back then. A little bit different vibe because social media wasn't huge then and all these different things, but lots of excitement there, right? Um, some of the the golden years of the Spurrier era, there was a lot of excitement because, you know, some, some of those 11-win season teams or after the SEC East title – you know, uh, in 2010, you know, going into 2011, a lot of excitement. Uh, there was a lot of high expectations then. But this one, man, is, is I think, interesting because 
in some form or fashion, uh, going to be a more normal season as far as capacity inside the stadium. Um, so there's that coming off of a very weird year last year. And then, you know, a new coaching staff. So a lot of uh, intrigue with how the team's going to look from a schematic standpoint, some of the new faces, some of the faces that we've already seen and fans have already seen, how are they going to look? And then the Shane Beamer era, obviously he's done a really good job of injecting positivity and excitement into this football program. So I think a lot of anticipation, and I think that's uh, that's why our numbers on here on the show are reflective of that. Yeah, and dude, I, I think that um, there, there's kind of an interest, and we've talked about this a little bit, so I don't, I don't want to go all into it. There's an interesting is dichotomy the word? I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for or not. It, it, it's interesting if you look at the short term versus the bit versus the big picture. I, I think the the excitement right now is not even necessarily. I think you look at Spurrier um, when he first got here, um, but then a, as the program kept growing, the excitement was like, "Hey, this team can compete for the East, and this team is going to be playing in a lot of national games that matter in your conference." The excitement is really not about that right now. I think the excitement comes with a full understanding that this season may not be, uh, you know, the, the best season in the world, but I, I think it's just more about having some hope again, having um, just a feeling that that maybe maybe there are better days ahead and feeling like there's hope that, that some good things could happen. Um, I, I think it's more, you know, I, I did a uh, – it was, it was one of the, the national guys yesterday – on the radio and um, you know, they were asking what, what is the thought? What are the thoughts from the fan base right now? And I tried to frame it up. I was like, look, everybody's incredibly excited, but it has more to do with like the long-term potential health of the program, building it the right way. I was like there, I feel like there's pretty much an understanding, which is good to have realistic expectations. There's pretty much um, an understanding that this, this isn't, this probably is not going to be a 10 win season, but People are still excited. They they want to see a new approach, a new a new quarterback, a new offensive coordinator, a new defense coordinator, a new specialty. Every, everything is fresh. So um, I think we talked about it Monday, Chris. At no point would anybody have ever been ex- like super excited about South Carolina playing Eastern Illinois. To be completely honest, I have to double check myself before I say that sentence because I keep forgetting who they play in Week One because I don't. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm being completely honest. It's who know who knows anything about Eastern Illinois if South Carolina was not playing them in, yeah. in this market. Yeah, no, sure. no one. Nobody. But there's excitement not because of the opponent, but because of of getting to see so many different new things and new players and new schemes and new approaches and, and all this different stuff. And I'll tell you, man, from my perspective, it was so freaking refreshing that we heard from the coordinators today. And we heard from coordinators during preseason, uh, you know, during Will Muschamp's era. But, guys, go ahead, mark your calendars. Every Tuesday during the season will be the Shane Beamer press conference. Every Wednesday is going to be coordinators press conference. So you will hear from your OC and your DC every single week about what's going on. I used the word refreshing last week, equally as refreshing today. Marcus Satterfield and Clayton White, two just very interesting people. I like hearing them talk. I learn something from them every time. Um, And they try without giving away all their secrets. 
they try to give you some some good answers, I feel like. So that's that's much better, y'all, from a content standpoint, that you're going to be able to hear from your coordinators and that we're going to be able to talk about what the coordinators said. It is. It's cool. And, and I was having this discussion with some someone the other day. Um, and look, I, I personally, Wes, think that you can, when it comes to wins and losses, right, the most important thing is develop your players, have great players, develop them. That That's what really counts in terms of wins and losses. But there's something to be said with the fan base connection and the media connection, which is obviously a conduit between the program and the fans. And so at, at this point, especially of this program, I think doing those things is important. I think it's something that the fans appreciate. The media, it you know, one way or another, it's great for us content. The more people that can talk, the more access we get. But we'll we'll do our thing either way or we'll try our best, right? But for the fans, I think they enjoy that even more. And I think here's the point that I was I was going back to that I was talking to someone about the other day when certain players maybe don't get to speak or when certain coaches don't get to speak. I do think there's a situation in which if things aren't going as well, that's when you tend to get kind of the I don't know the, the bad feeling from the fans or the conspiracy theories start all those types of things. So when you have a little bit more of that transparency, you know, hearing from the coordinators, trying to get inside their head or at least having them say what they were thinking in certain situations, even if people don't like it, disagree with it, call it dumb, call it smart, whatever it may be, you at least hear it. Right. And so then it's explained, you get perspective on it. It's not just one more thing that fans can latch onto and say, what's the answer to this? Because if there's not an answer, a lot of times you're going to see one or many of them kind of made up. And and I personally think that as, as a coach, as a program, you want to try to avoid that because there's going to be some rough patches, some rough plays, some, some rough games this year. And so uh, whether it's good or bad, having that kind of connection and transparency, I think can help with, with the program. No doubt, man. So, uh, so I was out there this morning, final, this is how you also know, um, when when the season is upon us is when everything starts to really get shut down as far as practice, you know, being out there. I believe this is the final open session of practice was this morning. Um, and we're – so so for some reason, Chris, I always remember this, and I have no idea why this is stuck with me. But um, Bill Gunner, WG, however – Different people call him different things, but a good friend of mine, he's on 107.5, obviously. Every year, he says that you know football is here. His his signal that, hey, it's it's right around the corner is so silly, but this is such a WG thing, and it stuck with me, is that when you go to the grocery store and you get your milk and the expiration date is after, on or after the first game, meaning – that if, if you're close enough that the milk expires after game one, that means football season is here. Like, it's here. Right. And for some reason, the fact, how he came up with that, I don't know. But every time I bought milk um, over the weekend, it said September 1st, expiration date. I was like, we're, we are close, guys. Like, we are here. We are on it. Um, My favorite one is how you, you – once you get into the pre into football season, the fall, whatever it may be, even though it's still blazing hot, you call it the fall. Once you get into it, there's no months anymore. It's just it's football games. That's how you measure like time and things. So it's not 
you know, October 10th, this that's Kentucky, right? Like, you know, it's, Hey, what, what, when are we going camping uh, by week or Kentucky week, you know, whatever it may be, there, there's no more months or dates. It's just, it's just football games. That's how you measure it. Yeah. It's, for me, it's next week is week one. Eastern Illinois doesn't even like get the designation, but everything past that, like the SEC games, Oh, that's Kentucky week or, Oh, Hey, that's Clemson week. Um, Oh, is that the bye week? Yeah, we can go out of town. Um, That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. It's it is funny how in this market, in this, you know, if you're a South Carolina fan, and I'll, you know, all SEC teams is pretty much the same way. Everything gets based around football and the football schedule, which is what really makes it fun. So we're out there today. I would say, Chris, and I'm I'm gonna try to pull. Uh, our intern extraordinaire, Kendall, got some video. Let's see if I can pop this up to where we can talk over it, y'all. Y'all hang with me. There's a couple steps you have to do to where it doesn't just drown us out, but actually we're able to talk over it. Um, can everybody see that? Yeah, there we go. Um, Chris, so welcome site today. <laughs> Number 20 in Garnet for the Gamecocks. Getting in some actual work. Now, as you see here, helmets, pads, shorts, which means you're not fully padded. There's 20 right there. Kevin Harris taking that next step. You see here some some drills against air, catching the football out of the backfield. Um, you're going to see a couple throws from, uh, from Zev Nolan in here as well. But, Chris, uh, it seems like that is progressing. I, I think from what Satterfield said today, still not quite – full contact cleared but the fact they're letting him dress out they're letting him wear a garnet which generally if you are non-contact you're wearing blue um it is a very very positive sign for South Carolina fans about Kevin Harris's progress so far it is man and, and you're in a situation where <clears throat> no disrespect to Eastern Illinois and I'll, let me let me just issue a, a disclaimer that'll be standard South Carolina's going to have to play well to beat Eastern Illinois, right? Like, they're going to need to go out there and not turn the ball over seven, eight times, all that kind of stuff. But on paper, this is a game in which if you're going to not be full strength, right, okay, get your guys ready. And so whether that applies to – there's a few guys, right? It's Kevin Harris, who's farther along than some of the other guys, a Luke Doty, a Cam Smith at corner. These are situations where you're not going to rush the guys back. And, th- and that – that's the same deal with Kevin, but the fact that you've got other backs, Marshawn Lloyd, Saquandre White, you know, guys that feel good back there and are healthy, and you still are able to get Kevin back into practice, albeit in a limited capacity, but you're still able to get him back out there. Certainly a positive sign, right? Because you don't have to rush him back. You don't have to feel compelled. We've got to get 20 out there. Obviously you want him out there. He's a really good player. He's one of your best overall players on this football team. Um, but still, really positive sign, especially when you look at it kind of in a, you know, in the proper context, you know, that they're able to get him back out there now. So uh, we'll see, you know, game one, it, it certainly looks positive. And will he play as much as he will against some of the other opponents? I would think not in game one, assuming he's full go, no setbacks. Definitely a good thing to have him out there. You want to be as full strength as possible, you know, going into this opener. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Terry says, no, it's not positive. What are, what are we talking about there, Terry? I don't know uh, which part. Um, give us some detail. Uh, let's see. Rob says, 
What would it take for Kevin Harris to be the second greatest running back in program history? Could that happen? Is it possible? Who that I don't know. I who Rob has, who's Rob got as the number one running back in program history? What's his one and two currently? I would like to know that. Well, it's got to be Big George, right? I mean, it has to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing he's got Big George and then and then Marcus up there, right? That's what I'm thinking. But yeah, I. I don't know, man. I I don't even like those conversations because here's the thing. <laughs> it's like um, the and, – and there are guys that we never we never saw with our own eyes sure. that are that are up there, that are in this conversation. Um, so, you know, Wadiak way back in the day was an absolute stud, they say. We never – I mean, there's not – some of these guys, there's not even actual film – out there that you can find of them. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I think Kev, Kevin would have to have a massive, massive, massive season to be in that conversation. And that's nothing against Kevin. I mean, that is a high bar to get to. And, y'all, I mean, they, I don't know if there's going to be enough of those carries. Like, this is, this is going to be a running back. Normally, when you say running back by committee, that's a negative. Because that means – sometimes that means you don't have one guy. But, man, I, I just think – I think they have enough dudes. Like, they have enough guys that are really, really good that you you have to find a way to, to get most of them on the field. And, you know, the thing is, man, and to, to go back to the question about – you know, one and two, I think a lot of that's kind of in the eye of the beholder and, and people are going to count things. I mean, look, here's a good example. Kevin Harris, you know, yeah, he he's now getting on some of those preseason lists now that people went back and kind of reviewed what happened last year. We've seen him get onto more preseason lists, preseason All-SEC, what, second team, things like that. Um, but it would be crazy to, to not say that, Harris probably has been hurt in terms of his stock by the fact he played on a two-win team last year. And so I think part of it, part of how he'll be viewed is going to come down to, you know, how good is his football team? George Rogers, a lot of people don't even remember, hey, hey, what was the record of the 19, you know, 79-1980 Gamecock football team? Some people may know, right? But it was a while back, and the thing you remember about George Rogers is he put up huge numbers. He's a first-round pick, and he won the Heisman. Like, that's the biggest thing. I mean, his crown, crown jewel accomplishment is he wins the Heisman. Marcus Lattimore, he's more recent. He's a five-star recruit. He was a stud on the field, right? Like, you saw it, and you saw it much more recently than George Rogers. And he also played on some really good teams that made some history, right? So I think when you look at Kevin – you don't. You're not just going to look at the stats. People aren't going to only look at that. They're also going to look at what happened, you know, around him. And so that that story is yet to be written. And I think that's going to play a role in it as far as, you know, how people will view him. So let's um, let's dive back into practice as well, Chris. Uh, let's see. Luke Doty out there as expected was was out of his cast. He got out of his cast on Sunday. Was sort of walking around. Still was in a boot. Had the whole the one crutch on one side, boot on the other thing going. Was you know was as involved as he could be, getting in there like you know mentally being involved. Cam Smith continues to progress. Was not practicing, but was actually walking. I saw him actually get into a little bit of a jog. It looked like as he was going to the indoor facility, 
Um, EJ Jenkins in blue non-contact, but was dressed, was out there. That, that's a, a positive sign for him as well. They, uh, you know, Satterfield said they are, I think he said, like they're hopeful. They're hoping that, that he'll be ready and, and good to go for, for week one. Relatively healthy, I, I think you, you look at this team. Um, somebody was asking about Marshawn Lloyd earlier. Marshawn Lloyd, 100% good to go, no issues there. He is uh, c- completely healthy. So for, for the most part, yes, they've had to deal with some guys being a little bit banged up coming in. But for the most part, Chris, they have uh, have remained pretty healthy. I, I think they. I, I also think it is safe to say most of the depth chart, most of the number ones. We we reported this on on Gamecock Central. Um, most of the ones you don't want to say it's set, but it's pretty like they're working towards the, where they pretty much know who these starters are. Um, quarterback is obviously the big, the big conversation that remains. We you know we've sort of framed it. Hey, Zeb Nolan. Maybe the favorite, probably the favorite. But then when, when coaches keep saying, hey, Jason Brown, I, I think, Jay, you know, Jason Brown's had his best week of practice. Jason Brown is still making progress. The The addition of Zeb Nolan, Chris, has done what you wanted it to do. Not only could he possibly be your starter, but it's pushed some of the other guys to, to play a bit better as well. And it's kind of funny how that happens. Um it's not that guys weren't working hard before. I'm sure they are, but it's something about raising the entire level of the room that that one guy stepping into the mix can can do. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, I, I think Jason Brown kind of recognized where he was after spring ball to his credit. You know, exiting spring, it was <clears throat> a healthy Luke Doty as your number one. Colton Gothier as a true freshman had kind of established himself as the number two guy, and Brown was number three. Now, that surprised some fans, some observers, uh, might have even surprised some media members, but that's kind of how it ended up playing out. And so what Jason Brown did in the offseason, he goes out, he reshapes his body, drops some weight, works hard, and now is more comfortable, you know, within the playbook, within the system. Now, are there strides to continue to make for him and everybody? Yes. Um, but he has gotten better in that regard in terms of being more comfortable within this offense, and that's that's going to be important for him. You can tell, Wes, that Marcus Satterfield is really, when I say concerned with, not he's worried, he might be, but he, he is really honing in on and harping on not turning the football over. That's going to be critical for this team, especially with explosion and, and being able to manufacture big plays in the passing game. That's a question for them. So one one way they can counteract that, be strong in the running game, don't turn the football over in the passing game. And so – that's a point of emphasis for Jason Brown and for everyone. He seems happier with it as of late with with Brown, and so um, we'll we'll see. You know how this continues to play out as they get closer and closer. It, it, in some ways, it may have tightened up a little bit, Chris. I I yeah. really I I think if we were reporting the beginning of this week, if it was like game week. I think we'd be saying Zeb, Zeb Nolan's your starting quarterback. Um, still could be the case, but I do. It sounds like things have sort of really started to tighten up, and we'll see which direction they go. I, I still, I guess you maybe give a slight edge to Zeb, but I don't think anybody quite knows for sure exactly how that's going to play out. And they're waiting to see the situation with Luke Doty as well. Um, so uh, again, coordinators spoke today. Some some interesting stuff there. Maybe most interesting. 
were a couple of little notes from Clayton White. Um, Chris, I always like when a coach says almost exactly what we've been saying on Gamecock Central. And in the case of Tyrese Ross, that's a guy who started – we've started to hear some buzz. We've reported some really positive things about him and how I think we said – we framed it like, hey, he's pushing into the mix to play and potentially start. Well, Clayton White says, look, this guy is one of our top two, which would be your starter, or three, which would mean you're right off – you're the next guy in at the safety position. So always good when when all that matches up. But um, he also added something else. We said the kid's a thumper. He he, he nails people. He uh, brings an old school attitude. Clayton White <laughs> compared him to to Steve Atwater, and uh, that's going like pretty deep in the vault there. I think. But Chris, he, it, it was kind of funny. He um, no, I I laughed a little bit. Nobody else laughed. I thought it was kind of funny. He said he said you know this is a guy that'll hit you. He's like now it's hit or miss right now. Uh, kind of you know. Like sometimes he goes to lay the wood and and it's a it's a swing and a miss. So they're trying to work through some of those things, getting him more comfortable in the scheme, etc. All the things you're talking about with a new player. But you know he's like this kid's a, a really good addition to our team. It sounds to me like Ross is is quickly ascending the list of. The top, the list at safety of the guys who are going to play the most snaps. He was down here because he missed the beginning of practice, and he is quickly rising that list. Well, and that's one of the ones you know we talked about it on the on the show Monday, Wes, and you referenced it earlier. A lot of the starters set, you know, and and even aside from the starters, we know a lot of the guys that are even going to play behind, you know, at certain positions. We know, for instance, that South Carolina has, you know, four at least edge type guys that they're going to feel really good about in certain situations between starters and backups. Um, But we identified Ross at safety as someone who is going to have a chance to ascend, which he's done and continue to do so maybe even through the course of the season. Would it be a huge surprise if he gets some early opportunities, runs with them, plays well, and ends up being a starter, whether it's maybe not by game one, but maybe it's later in the season at some point, that would be no surprise. Um, again, a lot of guys set in their starting roles, you, you would think. Safety, you know, we is R.J. Roderick probably entrenched as a starter? Yeah, you'd probably think so. But Tyrese Ross has a chance to, you know, maybe work himself in there and continue moving up. And good addition for this team because they need guys at safety, especially ones who can play with physicality. And also you might think possible special teams contributor as well with his skill set. Oh, dude, got got to be a special teams contributor. I mean, we we talked about that, I would say, quite a bit in the offseason, how the lack of depth at certain positions, linebacker, safety in the spring, th- those those are your special teams guys. Those are your guys that are running down there and covering kicks, covering punts. This guy, not not I don't mean this as a negative. This guy was made to help on special teams. That doesn't mean he can't also help on defense, but this is the type of guy you're looking for to excel on special teams. And, you know, here, here's the thing, second or the secondary safety in particular, it's been a question mark for a long time around here. Um, dude. I, and I know how some fans, I know their opinions on RJ Roger, but if you have RJ there and, and Ross playing alongside each other, eventually, you elite, dude, you have two enforcers there. Like that, that's two guys right there who absolutely can can hit. 
uh, which is something I don't know if South Carolina has had two guys at that position in a long time that have that that mindset that they're going to bring to that position. So, and I don't know exactly in this scheme how much uh, how interchangeable is it as far as like free safety versus strong safety, who's learning both, how how all that works. I'm sure the longer we sort of are around Clayton White, we'll sort of get to look to get to know those little intricacies, but. If those guys end up on the field at the same time, which I imagine that sometimes they will, uh, you, you got you got two guys that can bring the lumber, which is, is obviously a positive. Uh, some some other notes from Clayton White, Chris. I had wondered. I think we even talked about it maybe uh, out loud on the show. Who is the fourth defensive tackle? When you look at you've got Jabari Ellis, obviously Zach Pickens. It seems like that's a shoe in to be the two starters. We knew Tonka Hemingways is in that next wave. I got a glimpse um, of the two deep last week of the second team, and they had Boogie in there, Boogie Huntley. Um, it appeared to be Boogie, I should say. I was like, I think that was Boogie. Well, lo and behold, Clayton White today was asked, in general, not just defensive line, who has made the most progress? Who has grown the most? Uh, excellent question. Who has grown the most this camp? First name out of his mouth is Hammond's Boogie Huntley. Uh, second-year player now, was banged up. God, man, he had the ankle last year. It was supposed to be a shorter-term thing. It it did not really progress as far as him getting better and better. Was out for a long time last year. That's, first of all, good news for a great kid. Has always handled his business the, the correct way. So you always kind of pull for those guys that have success. But that, I think that probably answers that question is, if you know, as long as – as long as Sandage is out, then Boogie may be your next guy at defensive tackle after, you know, on the field at the same time in that second string with Tonka Hemingway. And then, uh, you know, allow yourself to be, I guess, a little bit excited if you're a fan that the next two names were Mo Caba and Debo Williams. So the three names out of his mouth were Boogie Huntley, Mo Caba, Debo Williams, um, do those two linebackers push more and more for playing time? Could South Carolina quietly, Chris, quietly end up feeling decent about their linebacker depth? Um, more decent than maybe we thought they would. Is that a possibility when you hear when you hear what what White said? Well, and and that's going to be a key for them this year. Um, you know, we I wrote about this in an insider report a while back around the time of media day that I talked to Clayton White at the preseason media day about linebacker depth, even presented him with some of the numbers, which I'm sure he saw and he knew. But just to put it in context, you know, there were games last season where South Carolina played two or three linebackers the entire game. And so kind of asked him, well, what are your thoughts on how you want to split up your snaps? How many guys do you need? And so, you know, even in kind of when you think of the the – two linebacker defense, a Will and your Mike linebacker, out of your base defense, you definitely want to have three. And ideally your third guy is going to be someone who can play Mike or Will. But really you want to have up to five that you feel good about. So three to five. Three is your minimum. If you have five, you feel better. There were some guys that he listed that could play both positions. And um, obviously that gives you more value on this team. He talked a lot at that time about Debo Williams and how he wanted – to once they got out of preseason camp and got into game mode, they wanted to feel better about Debo's progress within the defense. They could put him out there at the mic position. 
Cobb is another one. They wanted him to be able to maybe be a potential interchangeable guy, but just continue to bring him along. Young guy, saw some action last year for the Gamecocks, but wanted to bring him along. And so the fact that they feel better now, they've they've kept Brad Johnson healthy. They've kept Sherrod Green healthy. They've integrated both those guys into their new roles in this defense. you got a guy like Damani Staley, who he knows both spots. That's one of the guys that White had mentioned. Now, you know, I don't know if Clayton White would say today, I feel like I definitely have five, but I mentioned five guys there. And so if you feel decent enough about it, now you're closer to that mark. That doesn't mean that there's going to be no drop-off between starters. That doesn't even mean they'll play that well collectively as a group, but they feel like there's been progress there. And so that's that's all you can ask for coming out of camp. So definitely a positive to have those two be a few of the players that he mentioned. And with Boogie, I'm not surprised, you know, that he's taken the opportunity with Sandy Jowd and, and risen even more. He's a professional approach type kid, great kid. You remember, Wes, I mean, when he was being recruited, he was overshadowed a lot by Jordan Birch, but Eric Henry, now on staff with South Carolina, always spoke extremely highly of Boogie Huntley as his high school coach, you know, at Hammond when he was being recruited. Yeah, and, dude, I, I think um... – Kind of speaks to something we've mentioned probably in the offseason, the belief and excitement within the program that, that that interior defensive line is in a good place, not just like now. I think they feel good about where it is right now. But you have some younger players that weren't necessarily going to have to play a ton this year, but that they feel like they're sort of going to be able to build off of, you know, a Boogie Huntley, uh, and Nick Barrett as a true freshman, a TJ Sanders as a true freshman. Like you, it, it's not one of these things where you have nobody waiting in the wings. You have some veterans there, but then you have some guys waiting in the wings. And uh, Boogie definitely one of those. And you just never, it, it's always kind of interesting, man. Um, y- you never know which guys, like it, it's always like, oh, that guy has a chance. That guy has a chance. Until you start to hear and see it play out, you just don't know which guys are going to like go from having a chance to like take that step. And it appears that that Boogie, still very young in his career, very early in his career, is starting to take that step, which will certainly, if you look at that position for next year, there's going to be loads of playing time available for somebody to step in and play. Uh, Chris, we are sort of, we're actually a little bit past the midway point. Why don't you tell everybody about our new sponsor, Dead Soxie. Yep, we're thrilled that Dead Soxie is back with us again, once again, here on GC Live as a sponsor. There you see just, Wes, a very small sampling of some of the types of socks that they have to offer. They've got the spur line up there as as it's billed. If you're on the live show on Facebook Live or Periscope or YouTube, like we hope you are, you can see those up there. They've got no-show socks. They've got the boardroom socks. They've got casual, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. DeadSoxy.com, that's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Super soft, comfortable socks, non-slip, patented technology. They are fantastic socks. Wes and I both are blessed to have some Dead Soxy socks, so check those guys out. And when you use the promo code COCKY, that's C-O-C-K-Y, promo code COCKY, you get 25% off your entire order at DeadSoxy.com. So make sure you check out those guys at Dead Soxy, we appreciate their support here on GC Live. Good stuff. Uh, check them out. All, Chris, I always wonder, um, this thing shows us people's Facebook reactions. 
it shouldn't bother me. It doesn't bother me, but I just I wish there was like an explanation on why people because it doesn't matter. It's an hour show, right? So we could be saying anything when these reactions pop up. And most of the time it's just people hitting like. You get a few loves in there. Shout out to the people showing love. Then there's always one, and it's a different person every time that just throws out the angry sign mm-hmm. on there. Aaron, we see you, and we know you're angry. <laughs> we want to know why. Tell us why. What Tell are you angry about? Aaron? Yeah, if you're angry, you know, because they could be angry at us. They could be not enjoying the show. We could have said something dumb, inaccurate. Or well, they could just be angry about angry in general. You know, the their Amazon package is late. I don't know. It could be it could, it could, could be a Georgia or Clemson fan. We have those guys drop in from time to time. But our, yeah. our overall ratio of happiness is pretty good here, I think. So yeah, I just want to know, Aaron, you can share with us. It's fine, man. We we are we're here to listen. That's Whatever right. it is, Aaron, if you're still on here, I imagine it's a hit and run. But if you're here, just just tell us. We, you've got an entire chat full of people who will uh, help help you talk you through the issue. Anyway, um, what else do we want to hit, man? I I I think we're again. We kind of know who the starters are going to be for most every position. It was interesting, man. Today they actually lined up in full kickoff return formation. Um, and man, I'm telling you, Pete Pete Limbo, it's very interesting. Pete Limbo is y'all. Pete Limbo is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet on the planet. Just down to earth. He has a very teacher type vibe. Like he's a very calm, um, you know, kind of low key, but very detail oriented. And we've seen him go through drills, and it, it, everything's very specific. And today they were they were doing um, full kickoff return. Obviously, they weren't like tackling or hitting, but. The entire team was out there, and um, somebody did something wrong. And and Pete just said, "said just, just get out, just get out." He's he's sent the entire whatever that unit was for for the back end of the kickoff return. He was like, "Get get the neck." It was like Spurrier, you know, yanking a quarterback. Um, <laughs> so I was like, "Man, you know, this guy is de- like so detail oriented. He won't think he wants things done exactly the right way." Um, so I'll be curious to see if you know can South Carolina still can they steal one game because their special teams has some little unique advantage that Limbo, who has just everywhere he's been, has produced great special teams. That that would be an interesting storyline for me. But we got a little glimpse. Chris, first kickoff return unit was our boy Juju, Ooh. and but and. To carry on Joiner, it was sort of, um, you know, you'll see some teams will put one guy back. Mm-hmm. Some teams will put one guy up and one guy back. And some teams will do the, I'm going to see if I can do this right. One, like a staggered, like one guy sort of probably catches it about if it's two thirds of the field and the other guy is a little bit further up, but is a little bit further to the left. And essentially will probably receive a third of the the kicks. And so Juju was back man and the carry on was diagonal up guy. Um which again we you know we we kept you kept saying Joiner, you know, is strongly in the mix there. And then as we've heard more and more about Juju, we've sort of said 
man, that'd probably be a, an easy way to get him a touch or two. So the answer appears to be, at least if kickoff was today, that both of them are, are going to get some time back there. But I would say not surprising on, on those two guys being in there. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, Joyner kind of exited spring and entered the preseason as the top guy there. Um, the the word that you keep hearing with to carry on Joyner is reliable, whether people are talking about him, how he's played at receiver, how he's come along there, and, and just his overall approach and attitude, reliable. And that's that's something that uh, I think Pete Limbo used that exact word in the preseason to describe him too, saying that he was a, a very reliable player. And so you take that, that's that's something that you you know you obviously want in a guy, but then Juju McDowell, he was someone that Pete Limbo said in preseason, hey, I, I want to get a good look at this guy because he, we need to take a look at him based on his high school tape. Well, they've gotten a look. Apparently they like what they see, Wes, because this is a guy that has shown that he's in some ways a big play waiting to happen, a way to potentially, as you said, steal a touch there with Juju McDowell and get him in the open field. Aaron, we forgive you. Aaron has weighed in. He said he's listening with his phone in his pocket, maybe at work. Um, so Aaron's Aaron pocket dialed the old angry face. Aaron, we're just glad to hear that everything's okay, man. Yeah, we thought that was if that was a cry for help, we were going to be here for you. Um, but I'm I'm glad that Aaron saw that and uh, and weighed in, man. Uh, and we're we're just messing with you, by the way. Uh, <laughs> let's see, do we have any other questions? We had a we had a we got a tip here, Chris from from Doc. And he wants us to request uh, Luke Day. That I mean, that's something. I don't. I wonder how they would feel about a Luke Day in season interview. They being like media relations, uh, Beamer himself. I don't know, but that that's something we can effort. I mean, Luke Day has done one on ones with you know with other people. So so yeah, and man, Luke Day is a great interview. Um, we probably should have done. We should have done that during during the off season, man. We really should have. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that done. That'd be very entertaining. I'll need an extra dose of coffee, I think, before we do the interview so I can keep up with his energy level. That would be outstanding. Appreciate the tip, Doc, in more in more ways than one. So we'll try we'll try to get that. Yeah, I uh, I would love to do a, a day in the life of Luke Day. Like, what's he like at 5 a.m. riding into work? Like, is he – is he – it could go two ways, man. I could imagine him, like, putting on a little Mozart and just uh, – being very quiet and just uh, get getting in the truck. In my head, I envision him driving a truck and uh, just very quietly, kind of like the calm before the storm. Like you just hear the ding, 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 as you know, as as he's back and as his keys go in the ignition, and it's just nothing else is going on. Just very calmly rides into work. Nobody else is on the road. Or I can picture him with like some rock music, just like straight up rocking out, like beating on a steering wheel, like getting fired up, hitting himself in the head, um, just complete get, you know, just run your energy to the top. Like I, I could see either way. Um, so we need to do a day in the life. We don't even need the entire day in the life. We just want to see, be like, coach, we just need to ride to work with you. He's like, what the, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I think you'd be all for it. But are you not curious now? That's the key question. That is the key question is what is he like when things, when he's just chilling, right? When it's just him and his thoughts. Yep. I like it. Good thought. Maybe maybe we can make that happen. We'll see. I don't know what else to talk about, man. I'm (laughs) I'm free. I'm freestyling here. I'm, I'm throwing out weird stuff. I've had, 
I'm where I'm, I'm on my second coffee, which is when weird stuff starts coming out of my mouth. So, uh, Chris is working on his body armor. God, I want a body armor sponsorship, dude. I would, I would kill for a body armor sponsorship. I'm all about the body armor. The peach mango is the best, though. Y'all try it. Free, free pub. Um, what else, dude? There's got to be more stuff to talk about. I, I, I will say this. I think listening to Satterfield, he was asked about the, the turnovers. You know, I think Colin asked him that. He's asked about the turnovers, and he kind of said, "Yeah, we." Uh, if you go back and listen to it, he's like, "We had we had too many turnovers in practice, um, like up until this past week." Was kind of how he said it. I I get the impression the offense has started to um, like mold into shape a little bit. Just listen to Satterfield talk about how it was compared to what it's been like the last week or so. The quarterback's playing a little bit better. And, and some of that, some of that, I imagine, dude, is just that they're starting to, to cut the offense down. They're getting more and more into stuff they're comfortable with. And um, that, that to me, is probably some of it. But just that the guys are making the right decisions, where to go with the football. You know, I'm reading into it a bit there. But Satterfield, to me, seemed kind of like just reading between his lines kind of low-key that he was pretty happy with the progress so far. Yeah, and, and I think that's a big part of it, man, is what you mentioned. Uh, Satterfield, Beamer, they, they've they been very open in that they've thrown a lot offensively at this team collectively. They've thrown a lot at the quarterbacks, whether it was back in the spring, into the preseason. And so as you exit camp, you get into that game week kind of mode uh, that they're simulating, and then you get into the actual game week, of course. You start introducing another team. You've narrowed the things down, and so you you do find out based on what you see in practice, reviewing the film, uh, seeing what has worked, what's not worked for your guys, and why. You you narrow it down um, for the purposes of knowing what your team does well in general, plus what you feel like is going to work against each opponent. And so there does come a comfort level with that. It can help. Um, and it can also help that, you know, they've had more time now in this offense. So it is a positive that they have seemed to grow into it a little bit. I've done better taking care of the ball. Of course, that's going to be a huge storyline, as I said earlier, for this offense. And that and none of that is us saying that this is going to be a dynamic offense. Expect the scoreboard to get lit up. But what we know this offense has to do is to be serviceable, move the ball, score some points, um, run the football well, play to your strengths, and ultimately not turn the football over. If you can accomplish those things, not only game one, but throughout the season, you know, they'll, they'll have a chance to have a solid year if they can do that offensively. No doubt, man. So 10 days away, we will hear one more time from well, – we'll, we'll hear from Beamer several times because uh, we'll hear the call-in show this week. We'll hear, hear from Beamer – Next Tuesday, that will be his weekly deal, and then we'll hear a call-in show again. So we'll hear from him three more times. We'll hear from coordinators one more time next Wednesday. Um, other than quarterback, what is your lasting – what's your final week storyline for the fan base to watch? What's your What's your most intriguing thing Put you straight on the spot here that you're looking forward to following – the final week. 
Well, I, I think it's just uh, – there are a bunch of them, obviously, but – got to give one. Yeah, the one that keeps coming to mind is just receiver um, and, and the progression of that group. You know, you, you hear things. There's no doubt that some of these guys have grown. You know, on Joyner has grown more as a receiver because he's healthy, he's there full-time except for some package plays at quarterback – um, and he's he's done well adapting and adjusting there. A guy like Josh Van, you know, he's he's grown in confidence some. He's been a starter in the three wide receiver sets. You know, so we've heard about some of the strides that have been made. I, I think the key is how well can they play? How much can you get out of that group? And that's not only game one, but that's the whole season. You know, Marcus Satterfield's talked a lot about how it would kind of be – this isn't the word he used, but it would be silly basically for the staff – not to look at their group of running backs and try to integrate them in some different ways and get the ball to them as much as possible. You've got a few guys there that you don't want sitting on the sideline. So we've talked about that a lot. The guys that are your best guys, McDowell, Jaheim Bell, Muse, the running backs, those are the guys you got to get the ball in their hands. But there's no doubt they're going to need some receivers to make some things happen. Jalen Brooks on some deep balls, Joyner in space, Van doing his thing. They're going to need these guys to play well. So I think just their continued development, can they catch the ball consistently? That's a huge storyline, and I think that's something, you know, going into game one uh, that, that's going to continue to be critical. Yeah, I like that, man. I, I was going to go with who gets – who when they, when they announce those starters, what do they do that, 30 minutes before kickoff, an hour before kickoff? I don't when – when they put that brand-new video board to use – and roll out the starters, who gets the honor of being the actual starting running back? Now, who who it is on you know on the field that all the guys are gonna play. They're gonna like you're talking about, they're gonna find ways to get them the ball. I want to know who gets the honor, who gets the first carry, because that matters to running backs. That's a nice little now. If you're not the guy, you, you gotta just flush it and say, I'm I'm gonna go do the best with, with the carries I get. But you've got obviously Kevin Harris coming back, but has has missed almost all the preseason. Zaquandre so White uh, has done everything he can to earn his way. Marshawn Lloyd is, is back healthy. Uh, you know, I, I said I guess that was last week that if it started then, that eleven Zaquandre would have been getting the first carry. But Satterfield said today, "Look, guys, this thing has been it. It, it could change every day because they're all pushing, they're all fighting." Um, in the long term, does it really is it going to matter who the starter is at running back? Probably not. But the rest of the offense, for the most part, seems to be. I Chris, I think we could probably predict nine of the eleven starters on offense ten days out right now. And if everybody was healthy, I think we ne- we would nail nine out of nine if we said, you know, we we get we know nine starters. The other two, quarterback and running back. I would know which way I would lean, but I would not be feeling all that comfortable with my guess. Uh, defense? How, how many do you think we could we would be able to nail right now on defense? Oh, definitely. I mean, just thinking, sort of counting them. Definitely six right off the top. Mm. Shoot, probably, you know. I think 11. Yeah, I, I was going to say 10, maybe 11. Yeah. My my one that I would maybe think twice about would be does Tyrese push Tyrese Ross push enough that he actually starts? 
Yeah. And then whether Cam Smith is is like available and ready to go. But again, if we're taking out injuries, you yeah. know, if, if we get a pass on injuries, then I think we'd be close to eleven of eleven. But yeah. on offense, I think it's running back and quarterback that that I would tend to sort of be curious about which way yeah. they're going. But otherwise, I think the next week is just about. I think they're going to kind of know who the guys are, and, and it's just about getting them ready. I, hey, what did, what did you think of Beamer calling this a mock game week? I, I mean, I, I guess that's something coaches do. Um, I, I thought I thought it's a I mean it's a it's a good idea. It's a good thing to do. He even he made his case again that hey, there are no there's no actual scrimmages. You scrimmage yourself, but there are no exhibitions. There's no preseason games. Which is still so silly. That is so silly. Why? Why? Why can't you do a joint practice with Furman? You know, like an an in-state local. You tell me, Furman and South Carolina wouldn't get something out of that. South Carolina and Wofford, South Carolina and Charleston Southern, just some UNC Charlotte. You know, you tell me they wouldn't get something out of that. That would be tremendous. I mean, we, we've seen, I mean, the NFL, you know, with the, the you know, practicing, you know, like you said, the joint practices you see with, you know, exhibitions and multiple other sports. In, col- in college basketball, you get like the secret scrimmage, you know, type of thing between teams. Even if you kept it secret, I, I hope they wouldn't, you know, but even if you kept it secret, I think that would be huge because it does give you a chance to see, at least in some form or fashion, you know, how you stack up. But I think the mock game week, look, good idea. You know, not that it's like you said, I mean, people do that. But I think it's interesting because, you know, Eastern Illinois is obviously going to be playing a game, you know, uh, this this weekend. So this the South Carolina game will actually be their second game as opposed to their opener. So it's just a way to kind of get out of camp get the players acclimated to how things are going to be during the season and, and kind of get them ready maybe a little bit more in a more efficient manner, you know, going into the season. So it is interesting and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, but I would be all for, you know, the, the practice between two different squads would, would certainly make it a lot more interesting. Even if you did it for the spring game, might have kind of a bigger event, you know, for that. That, that would make way too much sense. I feel like why, why not roll in and you, dude, here's the thing you could, you wouldn't have to. You don't have to just turn them loose. You could still say, "Look, we're not going to do live special teams." You could say, "Coaches could could structure it." However, you know, you could do red zone work. You could do. You could set it up. Mm-hmm. However, you, you didn't have to just say, "We'll go play." Yeah. Uh, as long as there was a good working relationship between the two staffs, you could get both sides could be like, "Hey, man, we really need to work on this aspect." Yeah. Well, let's agree to do it. You know, I. That's one of the things. And I, here we are. I mean, this is an off-season discussion. It doesn't really matter, but it it really is one of those things that you just kind of, when you really think it through, you're like, why? Like, what sense does it make not, you know, not to do this? I I, I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, somebody asked earlier, question for you, Chris: Will you be watching Eastern Illinois this Saturday? I don't know if I'll watch it live. Um, I will watch it. I definitely want to get a look at them. Um, haven't even gone back. I'm going to be honest, Wes. 
have not even gone back and watched them from last season, which was back in the spring. So we have not kind of dove in fully to their schematics or what's changed from last year from a personnel standpoint. But we're going to look at all that. I'm definitely going to be watching uh, because I think there's some things to digest and take in about this team. Obviously, every week, no matter the opponent, uh, you know, on GamecockCentral.com here on GC Live, we're going to dive into the opponent, dive into South Carolina, how they match up uh, from a variety of standpoints. So in order to do that, need to need to check those guys out. And so pretty cool that they do have a game, you know, week one so that we can get sort of an advanced look at what they may bring to the field. Yeah, and I, I'm uh, I'm not complaining, man. That that is pretty that is pretty cool. You've got let's see, I was gonna try to give y'all. Oh, I got it. So yeah, Saturday, August twenty eighth, Eastern Illinois at Indiana State. That is a six p.m. Eastern time. You do have to have ESPN Plus, so you're gonna have to subscribe to that or borrow your neighbor's uh, password or, or whatever you got to do. Uh, it is on ESPN Plus, Chris. I Something I've been meaning to hit on that um, y'all bear with me for one second. Let me find it. That I've been meaning to hit on. I've seen a lot of discussion about South Carolina's game and how to watch it. And you will remember we talked quite a bit about how do you watch the Longhorn Network. That was awesome. Going into the South Carolina-Texas game. Here's the thing. The game is on ESPN Plus. But you do not have to buy ESPN Plus to watch this game. The game is also on SEC Network Plus, which if you have SEC Network as part of your provider, you automatically will have SEC Network Plus. You will need to do it on a streaming service, uh, not even a streaming service. You'll need to do it on a streaming device. So Fire Stick, Roku, your computer, um, whatever the little Apple thing is, whatever it is, as long as you can get the ESPN app and then log in with a provider that has SEC network, you should have access to the game without having to purchase, I don't know what it is, $6 a month, something like that for ESPN+. Plus. So that's been a misunderstanding. I've seen people on our board, well, how, how do I get this? What do I have to pay for? But you don't, that, that's more for people who don't have SEC network, or don't have it if you if you have no other you know provider satellite cable provider you could actually buy ESPN plus and watch the game if you wanted um but if you have a cable or satellite or Hulu or YouTube TV subscription any of those you should be able to log in on ESPN watch ESPN app and watch the game we're gonna have to repeat that probably 10 times but it's worth going ahead and talking about because I've already seen people talk about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, and SEC Network, I mean, I don't have a, a full list, but, I mean, I think most of the providers that are out there are going to have SEC Network, right? So, I mean, you're whether you have cable, Spectrum, AT&T, U-verse, whatever it may be, YouTube TV, Hulu, all, all those people are going to carry SEC Network. So, you just need to verify that your provider has SEC network or just know it and then have a way to log in, have credentials to log into your provider. So that might be your YouTube TV login. If you're like me, if you have Spectrum, you need to have your online login credentials for Spectrum. Find the SPN app, log in, and you're good to go. 
Thomas says, uh, I've got ESPN Plus. I need a new smart TV with an app. Thomas, it really just depends on how – are you going all out? It really just depends on how much money you want to spend. I always use um, a site called CNET.com for reviews on, on stuff like that. There's a ton of different review websites, but I use CNET. If you want to go all out on it, I mean, Samsung is always a great TV. But they, they say these days the LG TVs, the LG OLED TVs are pretty much the highest picture quality you can possibly buy, but they are a pretty penny. So it really just depends on how much that matters for you. Doc says, Vizio, bang for your buck. Absolutely. If, you, if you're looking for that best value per, like, picture quality, Vizio is probably your. I've got a dude. I've got a Vizio TV that I had in college. That um, thirty-two inch Vizio TV. I bought it when I was in college, and is it's now my my bedroom TV. It's is still going strong to this day, um, which is impressive. So pretty impressive. And Bob Stanley is rocking out a combo. I have a TCL Roku combo. Okay, that yes, is actually our little spare TV that we take out on the back porch, whatever it may be. I got that thing for like $99 on an Amazon Black Friday. Ridiculous. So Roku, boom. So, man, we're handing out all sorts of free advertising. Body armor, TV companies. Yeah, we are. Just saying. Yeah, but now, if it, of the ones, I'll say it like this. Yeah. Of the ones, if LG wants to give us a sponsorship, <laughs> give, give us a call that's that's every time i walk in costco i go buy those big 75 inch tvs and i just stand there and i just look up like this and um mckenzie's like wes 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 we gotta go she's like we, we gotta go get food dummy come there watching on, a get, movie or something yeah, it's yeah. like come on come on and i'm just sitting there like <laughs> so may, maybe one day on those um that, what streaming Device you get, somebody else is asking. Um, I I do Fire Stick. I got friends that have Roku. Chris has Roku. I mean, it's really just about what interface you prefer, I think. They all stream well. I will say this. I think the streaming devices, Chris, stream better than the built-in smart TV. Like I know it's like the cool thing to have, oh, it's a smart TV. It has all these apps. Well, the apps ultimately are out of date. Whereas if you just get a Fire Stick, you just get a Roku, those are much more easily upgradable. And in my experience, the streaming quality is more consistent. So anyway, yeah, Bob says the LG OLED is susceptible to screen burn-in if you watch channels with a constant static image. I don't want to hear that, Bob. I guess we can say we can. You're ruining it. Bob. Um, we uh, We can say that. Now, because LG is not a sponsor yet. If LG was a sponsor, I'd have to delete that comment, Bob. Um, all right, this show is over. It's running I, off the track. That'll do it for our technology hour here on. Yes, thank you for coming to our TED Talk. But, um, yeah, this was fun. Appreciate y'all, as always. The num- Nobody's left. I don't know. I figured I'd be running them off right now. Um, do this again Friday. I know we said we were going to try to do every day this week. It has not happened. Um. Next next week, every day, every single day. Game week. Uh, game week. Yeah. All right, but we'll see you all Friday. Appreciate you. Enjoyed the show. Enjoyed the uh, commentary. Uh, y'all have a good one. See you then.
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.